Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, thank you. That's the voice of Ryan Treasure, VP of Broadcast Operations at Voice America, and my good friend and partner in crime on some of these shows. This is Technology Revolution, the future of now. Happy to be here. This is my Wednesday happy place. I want all my panelists who have not been introduced yet to say hello to LinkedIn. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. We're going to say hello, LinkedIn. One, two, three. Hello, hello LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And now we're going to say hello to Facebook. Can we still call it Facebook? Let's say hello to Meta. Let's just... No, let's just, no, no, no. no. Hello to Facebook. One, two, three. Hello, hello. to Facebook. And then we're... <laughs> I want to tell you what it means in Hebrew. And now let's go to... We're going to say hello to the Voice America business channel one two three hello, hello to the voice, voice america, america business, business channel. channel we got there we didn't rehearse this obviously <laughs> what are we talking about today come on everybody has a story you have a story i have a story megan has a story rebecca george tish everybody has a story do we care about each other's stories Heck yes everybody <laughs> wants to know what's your story what's your deal storytelling has been around since forever look at the cave walls all of those glyphic somethings they were they were chalking on the walls or scratching on the walls they were telling stories and we want to even know what their stories were and that's my informal introduction now i'm going to tell you some of the quotes i found about storytelling and our topic in case you're interested is the future of storytelling and technology get real stay real keep real there we go so here we go buzz quote number one is from hubspot one of my favorite places to go and here let me read a little blurb to you there's an old saying those who tell the stories rule the world even without modern neurological research that proves storytelling is the best way we all know this to capture people's attention bake information into their memories and forge close personal bonds humanity has always inherently known that people crave and seek out great stories almost as much listen up almost as much as food and water. That's a big deal statement. That says a lot. We may not know that, but we do. And I will add the last sentence in this quote is in the people and brands, we're not talking brands today, who can tell the most compelling stories are able to command the most influence within their community. Very interesting. Here's a quote from BBC on a culture Culture article document, bbc.com. From fireside folktales to Netflix dramas, oh my, how many have we devoured in the past year and a half? Narratives are essential to every society. Scholars specializing in literary Darwinism, is that survival of the fittest, I think? Are asking what exactly makes a good story and the evolutionary reasons that certain narratives from Homer's Odyssey way back to Harry Potter, oh my, have such popular appeal. So that's from BBC. Buzz number three. This is from... Speaking of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter series, she says, no story lives unless somebody wants to listen. And that goes back to my opening, right, George? We want to listen. We want to hear stories. The stories we love best do live in us forever. So she adds, so whether you come back page by page or by the big screen, Hogwarts will always be there to welcome you home. Isn't that interesting? And I don't know if you all know this, but she lived on what they call benefits in the UK for years, and now she's the world's first billionaire author 
named by Forbes. Isn't that interesting? Talk about a story. Here's buzz number four from Margaret Atwood, who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, one of the most popular streaming shows in the past couple of years. You're never going to kill, speaking of kill, you're never going to kill storytelling because it's built into the human plan. We come with it. This is getting very, very deep here. And I have one more quote from, of all people, Steven Spielberg. Do I have to tell you who he is? Of course not. (laughs) The most amazing thing for Spielberg is that every single person who sees a movie, not necessarily one of my movies he's talking, brings a whole set of unique experiences. But through careful manipulation and good storytelling, you can get everybody to clap at the same time, to hopefully laugh at the same time, and to be afraid at the same time. This is a dimension we don't often talk about. How good is the story? Will everybody laugh? Will everybody cry at the same time? So raise your hand when I call your name, Dr. George Vinay. So happy to have you here. Everybody applaud. George, he brought us all together today. I asked him to bring a panel of storyteller experts, and you are all here, and I'm so grateful, George. Always a delight to have you. We'll get your introduction in a second. Tish Hicks is new to the show. Hello, Tish, we're going to find out about you and your, well, you're going to tell us stories about voiceovers and the work you've done. Thank you for joining us. Rebecca Armstrong is back. Always nice to see you, Rebecca. Thank you. Love the blue. And let's go to our fourth guest, Megan Wells. Megan, I want to steal your background. That is just absolutely, I got to know how much fabric and how do you hang it? And it's just, (laughs) just, just beautiful. So thank you all very much for joining me. Let's go through the panel. I'm going to have each of you because we have so much to talk about. Take about two minutes. Tell us who you are, what you do. Why are you excited to be here talking about storytelling and technology? We will bring tech in. And George, in your case, I have a special special note for you here because you've been on several of my shows. I'm thinking there's very few people in the world who don't remember who you are and shame on the ones who don't. So I'm thinking there's about 3.7 people who don't remember, and I'm just going to say shame on them. So why don't you talk to those 3.7 and refresh their memory who you are. George Vinay, welcome. Thank you, you. thank you. It's it's always a joy to join the inimitable Bonnie. (laughs) Um, So I am a storyteller, magician, and psychotherapist with a private practice in Pasadena. I've worked for over 20 years with youth and families uh, here in Los Angeles. And uh, I grew up since I was little uh, performing magic. And in college at Northwestern, I, I, was, I met a theater professor named Reeves Collins, who's an extraordinary storyteller. And he opened up the door to this beautiful, fascinating world of evoking the imagination through story. And from that point on, uh, I do school assemblies and workshops and retreats that involve the use of folk tales and fairy tales that have been told for generations and generations. So there's a whole lot of wisdom that are hidden and packed in the images you can find there. And so I go into schools and do combinations of magic and storytelling or with adults, uh, present a story, and then together we unpack it and explore how it resonates with a person's spirit and journey. And so that's, that's kind of what I, I'm about. And I just love story and storytelling. Thank you, George. And you introduced a, a word that wasn't in any of my introductions, in my buzz quotes, imagination. 
Nobody mm-hmm. said imagination. And you, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's go to our second guest, Tish Hicks. So happy to meet you. I've heard so much about you from Georgia. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? My audience wants to know who you are. Tish, welcome. Uh, thanks so much, Bonnie. And um, thank you, George, for connecting us. Um, uh, I am Tish Hicks. I am a veteran veteran uh, voiceover artist. I've been doing voiceover for about 25 years. And I am also, I've been the voice of Citibank, uh, Subaru, um, GTA 5, all sorts of, um, all genres of voiceover, commercial animation, video games, uh, promo, audiobooks. Um, I'm also the founder, uh, CEO, and master sensei of the VO Dojo, which is a holistic full training program that guides, supports, connects, and accelerates from, I don't know, to working pro. Um, and I've been telling, telling stories all of my life as well, and uh, actually came from the same, uh, cut of the same storytelling cloth uh george and i went to northwestern together and have a lot of the same influences i always say we we had we had storytelling for dinner every night when i meet other people like oh really that's what we had for dinner um yeah so uh the dojo is in its 10th year and our purpose is to align people around the world with the power and possibility of their voice Thank you very much, Tish. Uh, you and I will talk. I, I may be one, maybe taking your course sometime soon because I want to learn more about doing that. I, I host, I moderate, I talk for a living, but I want to learn more about voiceovers. And mm-hmm. I heard a sample of, of an exercise of one that you did with George and some of your other students. I didn't recognize his voice. He had to play it for me three times. Said, what? It was real. He's got a nice one. That was really, really good. So thank you, Tish, for joining us. Let's go to Rebecca Armstrong. Rebecca, I'm so glad you're back. I enjoyed meeting you a few months ago on another show. So please, I'm going to say the same 3.7 people who didn't remember George might not remember you. So double shame on them. Rebecca, talk to us. Who are you? Tell us up again. Go ahead. My pleasure. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, I am a folk singer dyed in the wool, bred in the bone, in that I'm a third generation Celtic folk singer and storyteller. Mm -hmm. So my initiation into the world of storytelling was that stories are a way to bring the past alive. Mm -hmm. And so that in the, the first 15 years of my life, that's really where I was with stories. Stories are a, a way to delve into the past. But then we met the famed mythologist Joseph Campbell, who became a very close family friend. And he made explicit the radical idea that the ancient myths actually are still alive in us, Mm. that these ancient stories were bred out of our DNA and our biological and spiritual impulses, and that's why they still matter to us. That's why a well-told story from Homer's Odyssey can ignite a human being in the 21st century. Mm. So this is when I made the shift to the realization that storytelling is the magical art of shaping reality. We are who we are because and only because we have the language to frame our experience. And if we go back and reframe experience, either personally or collectively, we, in a sense, change our reality. And that's why storytelling is now the tool for the future. Because we're at junctures where we have to reshape and retool the way we tell our stories about ourselves. 
So that's my link right there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, each one of you is adding a new dimension or an old dimension, as it as you will, mm -hmm. to bring us into a, a better understanding of the importance, the value. Megan Wells, you're new to me, new to the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you to George for bringing you on. Megan, mm -hmm. I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view as I did with everybody else on the panel. Would you please do us the honor of introducing yourself? Megan, welcome. I am Megan Wells. I am Megan Wells Tells, and I am really mm -hmm. delighted to be here. There's nothing I would rather do in the whole wide world than to talk about the power of story. I fell in love with theater when I was seven, and I didn't even know storytelling existed. It was I, I grew up in a Swedish household <laughs> with a very stoic, non-speaking father, so I really didn't understand it as a form until I had a friend. This was the age of AIDS from my theater background, living with me, fighting his dying experience, who dreamed an extraordinary dream of leaning into a wave and then forgot it. And when he came to his dying, I was conversing through his sister to him. I remembered his dream, told his sister, his sister told him, and he remembered what he had planted for himself, what his soul had planted for him. And he leaned into his dying. And I was utterly changed. What, what, what just happened? So I started to tell people people told me that was called storytelling i said what is storytelling <laughs> so about the age we're you know 30 33 somewhere in there i understood that there was this new thing called storytelling <laughs> and then quickly discovered that it's actually the seat and the soul and the shoulders on which we stand. And I've been pretty much obsessed with it ever since. I'm mm -hmm. a full-time professional touring storyteller. It's what I do. I go everywhere and tell whatever I can. Full-time sto touring storyteller. Wh whose stories do you tell? What kind of, just briefly, Megan, what do you tell? Do you, do you have a book of stories? Do you tell what's, is it like getting on stage at an improv uh, event or at an open mic and saying, I'm going to tell you a story? What do you, what stories do you tell? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that. Right. I so <laughs> my, uh, I, I have a large repertoire now because I've been doing it for 30 years. So I have 186 active stories that I can bring forward. I work in the realm of fairy tale and folk tale. I work in the realm of mythology. I work in the realm of literary stories. I work in the realm of true stories. I work in the realm of religious stories. I work in the realm of personal autobiographical stories. Because you, the more strings you have on the piano, the more songs you can play for people. Because the job of a storyteller, which everyone here will agree, is your job is to meet the audience's needs and then to look into your medicine cabinet and find what is the right story for them at that moment? And so as you go and you develop, you, you develop that, um, that range of stories so you can be more uh, specific 
in feeding the imagination. Thank you, Megan. What a love! What a lovely story you just told us. I appreciate that. I, I don't. I don't think most people understand or appreciate the value of storytelling or the fact that we are telling from the past. And it's interesting to me. I'm. I'm reflecting on what you've all shared with me so far. And on all of my shows, my business radio shows, on this show, I ask my guests to send me a quote from a fictional character. Now, a fictional character means somebody wrote, George, I'm going to get deep here. Somebody wrote a character into a story and told a story and cultural wise, pop culture wise, people will maybe recognize that movie, that song, that character, that TV show. So I'm asking all of you, and we're going to do that next to tell me your interpretation of, in this case, the topic of storytelling, and we'll get technology in there somewhere, uh, how that character. So I'm asking you to take somebody else's story and tell your own story about how it relates to our topic. I never quite put together the fact that I'm asking you to use somebody else's story in the form of a character's mm -hmm. voice mm -hmm. to tell your story about my topic. This is really getting mm. deep. I don't know. I, I got to go have more breakfast. I can't deal with this. Anyway, this is really interesting. George, whenever you're on with your 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 friends, your group, you would, I, I met you through the Publicity Summit, the National Publicity Summit with other people. And um, it just, there are so many tentacles and threads to think mm. about in terms of, of the meaning of story and the value of story and the importance of storytelling. And I think that's what I'm, I'm opening myself up to those revelations today. So let's get on with the show. We're going to go to quotes. George Vinay has asked me very politely, George, to let him tell the quote because he's going to do the voice of the character. All I will tell you is the character is E.T., the extraterrestrial 1982. Is it really that long ago? Mm. <gasps> We're all only 35 years old, so I don't think we all remember any of this. Uh, American sci-fi film produced by the one and only Steve. How did I pick a quote from Steven Spielberg? Mm. And it tells the story of Elliot, a boy who befriends an E.T., a dubbed E.T. extraterrestrial, stranded on Earth. I'll leave it there. George, please do us the honor of what is the quote. Go ahead. Well, it's the scene where E.T. is about to leave and he is meeting with Elliot for the last time. And there's all this feeling between them. And as you know, E.T., whenever he's healing or whenever there's a lot of emotion, his heart glows and his finger lights up. And so at that moment where you can feel young Elliot is sort of beside himself, what's this going to mean? I'm so close, I'm so connected, and he's leaving. And the finger lights up, and it comes into view, and he touches it where the third eye and the forehead would be, right on Elliot's forehead, and he says with this music that, of course, the soul is singing, I'll be right here. Mm -hmm. And that moment when you ask what would be a quote, there is, in, in the work of therapy, it's not just storytelling, it's story listening, right? And, and Megan, you referred to it earlier that when you come into a, a room, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or it's a group of story listeners, you have to open your heart and attune to the spirit of the room. What, what are these hearts feeling and thinking and how are they reacting? You're reading them at a, at, at a heart level. And you find the medicine in the story that lights up your heart and touches their third eye. And there is a, uh, in the tradition of bullfighting, when a, a profound moment between 
the bullfighter and the bull happens that is full of the the heroicness of the bull and facing this very terrible tragic moment uh, triumphantly with all this feeling and the, the bullfighter is undefended and meeting right there if it has artfulness if something leaps out of that moment people will jump to their feet and they will say ahí quedó eso meaning there it was placed it was placed in memory and so a story like E.T.'s and that moment you could feel that what they have lived through what Elliot have lived through what we have lived through suddenly got placed in memory forever and from that place once it's placed you can always return to it and feel the nourishment, which is the real gift of the stories that touch us, right? Even our own life stories, they get turned into soul and stay with us and nourish us and lead us on and guide us and resonate like two strings on two different guitars. You pluck one and the other one vibrates. In a certain living moment, it vibrates and the story comes up and says, see, this is me. This is what's happening in this moment. And you're oriented and guided and inspired. Thank you, George. That was beautiful. Don't everybody just want to say, ah, ah, I feel nourished. Don't we all feel nourished, George? That was beautiful. And I loved the, I wouldn't even say the accent. I loved the voice of E.T. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for doing it. I couldn't even, even come close. Tishix is next. Tisha sent us a wonderful quote from Alice in Wonderland going all the way back to the 1951 Disney animated fantasy tale film. Lewis Carroll's beloved fantasy tale brought to life in this Disney animated classic when Alice, played by the actress Catherine, voiced by Catherine Beaumont, a restless young British girl falls down a rabbit hole. We've heard that expression too often. She enters a magical world where she encounters an odd assortment of characters, including the grinning mm, Cheshire Cat, Sterling Holloway, loved his voice, the goofy Mad Hatter, Edwin, and when Alice ends up in the court of the tyrannical Queen of Hearts, an actress named Verna Felton, never heard of her, but she was there. She mm. must stay on the ruler's good side or risk losing her head. Oh, my. And here is the quote. Do you want to do the voiceover for this, Tish, or shall I just read the quote? Oh, um, I can. I can. Shall I do it as Alice? <laughs> yes, yes. Would, yes please, um, please, go ahead. Who in the world am I? Ah, that's the great puzzle. Um, so I chose this uh, riffing off of what George said, that stories really are how we discover who we are in the world. And when we share stories and tell our stories, we get to um, have ourselves reflected and reflect back um, the clues to figuring out the puzzle of who, who am I. Um, I just realized also that... Um, uh, I said I, I grew up in, in storytelling. I learned to read when I was three. So I've been reading stories. But Alice in Wonderland was one of the first films that I saw. So it's the interesting leap into the technology, right? So that was the first somebody else translating into a new technology. Um, yes. that, um, and I, I went to a... a alternative school for elementary that was started in the basement of Second City. So part of that lineage and uh, as well. But um, yeah, that's, that's really, that's really what it's about for me. Um, who, who am I and how in connecting with others, 
do I find out? At the VO Dojo, one of the foundational principles that we work from of everything is that voiceover is communication and communication is the exchange of vibrational energy. And that's it. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that and we can riff, riff from there because that ties thank into you. where technology comes. Thank you, Tish. And thank you for the beautiful reading of the quote. We didn't plan on this, but you were very gracious to do that. So thank you very much. Lovely. Yes, who, who am I? How do I tell my story? To whom do I tell which part of my story, which version of my story, which voice in my story? This is getting really heavy here, George. I didn't realize. But you know what? This is this soulful, is soulful. It, it is right. soulful. How do we think about all this? Let's open our minds to to the concept of storytelling. And I'll just, just before we go to, to you, Rebecca, Rebecca, I have a lot to say about your quote. Um, think about in the past couple of years, I think there have been a lot of coaches in corporations who said, don't just write your bio. Bob went to school at this place and he took this job in 1999 and he's been here for three years and every day he deals with 100 customers. Tell a story. And bios, biographies, professional bios started taking a storytelling twist. I don't know if you saw this. Well, that's hard for me as a business broadcaster when I need a straightforward bio and somebody has, don't put their, they don't put their role, their title and their name into the fifth paragraph. And I'm saying, who, who exactly are you? So I've had to ask them to unstory tell their bios and say, Bob is the current comptroller of XYZ Widget Corporation, and he's been here for, and then tell me your story. So anyway, just, just a sidebar. Rebecca has sent us, Rebecca, I've been looking for this quote for a long time, and I think I've used it. I've heard it before, and it's level. Let me give a little background here. The quote is from the character Beverly Clark, played by the wonderful, iconic Susan Sarandon. The movie is Shall We Dance? Shall We Dance? Mm -hmm. That was the King and I. This is from the 2004 American romantic comedy drama film, and I love the way they put comedy drama together with the dash because it's partly funny and partly sad and heavy duty, so it's a comedy drama. We don't just go to see a comedy. We don't just see a drama. It's a drama with some funny parts, so it becomes a comedy. Anyway, I'm just amazed at the, how the genres have morphed. And uh, it stars Richard Gere, Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, and Susan Sarandon. It's a remake of a 1996 Japanese film of the same name. Very briefly, John Clark, played by Richard Gere, is a lawyer with a charming wife, that's what they say, Sarandon, and a loving family, but he feels something is missing. He sees a woman sitting on the windowsill of a dance studio when his train goes by on the way home from work every night, and he's haunted by her vision and goes there and ends up taking dance lessons, but his wife doesn't know where he's going at night and on and on and on it does have a happy ending so here's the quote rebecca do you mind if i read it please do it is that okay we need a witness to our lives there's a billion people on the planet i mean what does any one life really mean but in a marriage you're promising to care about everything the good things the bad things the terrible things the mundane things all of it all of the time every day you're saying your life will not go unnoticed because i will notice it. Your life will not go unwitnessed because I, I'm getting goosebumps, I will, be I will be your witness. Rebecca, I've been looking for this for a long time because it just matters. It, it matters, and I'll tell you off air later on why it matters so much to some of us probably more than others is, is where is my story? Who will bear witness to my story? Yeah. Maybe now that I'm a broadcaster and millions of people have heard parts of my story, they're witness and I will never know who they are. Rebecca, how did you find this wonderful quote and what does it have? We know what it has to do. Just talk for a few minutes. Go ahead. Well, Bonnie, I'm so glad that you read the quote because I got goosebumps hearing you read it. 
So it is clearly resonating, and that's how you know, right? The body responds to that quote. And here's how I found it. After 20 years of being a professional storyteller in the schools and colleges, I entered seminary and became a doctoral minister. I graduated from Chicago Theological Seminary, and it turned out that what I excelled in was being a wedding minister. So just as individuals need to find their stories, couples co-creating marriage have to find the story that they're making between the two of them. Mm. So I did one of those deep dives to find interesting, unusual readings for people who are getting married in the late 20th, early 21st century. And when I saw this movie and heard Susan Sarandon say that, it was like, oh, that's it. And the very first couple to whom I offered this quote as potential wedding reading, they both burst into tears. And I realized that I touched a very profound chord. And here's where storytelling and technology have a very difficult dance. Because mm -hmm. it has been said that everybody gets to be famous now. Everybody gets to be seen and heard. But in fact, people feel less seen and less heard and less witnessed. We are in a crisis of loneliness and alienation. So when two people find each other, and your wonderful quote from J.K. Rowling, that no story lives unless someone wants to hear it, that's the very crux of a relationship now. Someone has to want to hear your story. And so being able to hold that, listen with the attentiveness of the whole heart and soul becomes the bedrock of a marriage, of a relationship. So that is what I brought to my wedding ministry, and that's why I chose that quote. I just want to cry. I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to cry. I'm going to take a picture of all of us right now at this moment in time with everybody smiling. I never do this during a show, George knows that, but I just had to because it's such a moment. <laughs> wow, I, I will tell you later why that meant so much to me. Thank you, Rebecca, and let's go to Megan's quote. Megan has sent us a quote from a much more modern movie, Morpheus, rebel leader played by Lawrence Fishburne. Isn't he a wonderful actor? To Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, also very popular, much younger and famous. The movie is The Matrix, American media franchise. It's not even just a movie, it's a franchise that started in 1999. So it's young. It's only been around for 22 years, like all of us. What can I say? Okay, and the Wachowskis and Joel Silver produced the series, Creator, creators, writers, directors. It has four movies, The Matrix, three sequels, Matrix Reloaded, I, I feel reloaded today. The Matrix Revolutions and The Matrix Resurrections. Maybe that's a story right there in the titles they pick. Very interesting. Okay, it's a cyberpunk story of the technological fall of humanity in which the creation of artificial intelligence, those of us in the business world called it AI, I think everybody else is doing the two, led the way to a race of self-aware machines that imprison mankind in a virtual reality system, The Matrix. I'll leave it there. Here is the quote. Megan, do you want me to read it or do you want to read it? Oh, right ahead. Okay, thank you. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, mm -hmm. all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. 
Is it interesting? Rabbit Hole was part of this, and I read that as part of the quote about Alice in Wonderland before. Everything is just tying together here. Megan, how did you find this wonderful quote? Talk to us, the red pill, the blue pill. Go ahead. Right. So we're already seeing soul, how we're all in soul. We're making connections before we even arrived. So uh, I, I love this quote. I will never forget this quote. It was the bullfighter moment, George, whatever that word is. You're going to teach that to me later because it was a, a place moment for me. I believe that there are two wakings that you have to do every day. You wake up into this world, but you also want to wake up into the world of the imagination. And so the red pill, the blue pill is how do you wake up in the world? When you wake up in this world, it's pretty hard here. Without the imagination, it seems impossible and futile. But the imagination is another stomach and we don't feed it. It is literally another stomach. And so we are as thin and as small as our imaginations are when they're empty. It's almost this, um, it's almost an anorexia of our imagination. Mm. So I, I know we're not supposed to quote Einstein, but it's another, it just lives in me all the time. Imagination is more important than knowledge. And so I feel like that quote for me was, a witnessing from the invisible universe to stay. You must feed the stomach of the imagination. So I feel that the job I get out of bed for is to wake up to this world, but also to wake up to the other world and to help people repopulate those empty rooms inside themselves. Not just a, not just a, 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 a simple king from a Disney movie. No, there are 85 billion different kings. And the more king stories you know, then your king's capacity to be wise greatly increases, which means your inner king rises and has more options and more flexibility and generosity. So that's why I picked that quote. Thank you very much. That was absolutely lovely. I experienced you just now as a storyteller, Megan Wells. I felt it. Didn't everybody? The pauses, the emphasis, the the white space, if you will, the blank space. Let it let it sink in. Let the mood, let the intonation of your voice, let your your aura get to us without crowding it. And there's a line in comedy, there's a a rule in comedy, George knows this and I know this, never step on the laugh. If you say something funny that means that story resonated, let people laugh. Let that be the next line. Don't step on it. And Megan, you have a cadence of allowing what you're saying to just sink in very nicely. I might even start talking slower, but we'll never get finished with the show. So (laughs) thank you all for the interesting quotes. I appreciate that. Let's try to do some predictions. It's 36 after already, and who cares? We've had a good conversation so far. Let's do predictions. I put a prediction in the chat for each of you, and I'm going to pick them in whatever order I wanted to. George, I'll read yours first, and here's the deal. George, talk for about two minutes about this. Let's keep it really, really tight. Unpack it. Tell us what it means, why you said it in relation to our topic, the future of storytelling and technology. And then if anybody wants to comment on what George said, just wiggle your finger at me. 
bunny, bunny, call me, call me. If not, I will go to, I've already teed up a, a, a prediction for you, Tish, in the chat. And then I have one for Rebecca and one for Megan. So we're all, Megan, I'll put yours in in a second. So we're ready to go. And George, here's the one I picked for you. Let me go to what you say. Data-driven, statistical, algorithmic, there's the word of the day, and aggregate-seeking technology use will shift to applications with a more discerning, valuing, and affirming perception of unique stories. And thereby, we will move away from understanding the exceptional through the norm and see exceptional stories and persons as the larger, insightful category. I really mean it when I say, would you please unpack this, George? Okay. <laughs> I, I think we heard a lot of a lot of words in there, but you got to tell us what it really means. George, bring it down to our lay level. Go ahead, George. You know, it, studies often in psychology trying to understand a phenomena are, are perhaps doing some sort of uh, statistical analysis that tends to sort of boil things down to uh, what is common among people. And it, it places things, if we're not careful, into what is normal. Whereas perhaps we should start the other way around. Instead of saying, well, J.K. Rowling is exceptional and she's sort of outside of the norm, then let's use those people who brought something of grandeur, of magnificence, uh, 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 some, some extraordinary personality and uh, imagination into the world and begin to use them as the larger category so that when I'm working, say, with young adults, they can imagine themselves into exceptionality and their own unique eccentricity rather than... Uh, uh, one time I was just playing around it because I thought, you know, there should be a diagnosis called normopath. If we're not careful, <laughs> we, we all we all fall into the normal rather than how do we break out of that and be ourselves, right? And I had this dream where I was in a grocery store and I saw a robot putting canned food on the shelves. And this was when college, right when I was opening up to storytelling. And so here was this little robot with a robotic arm putting the canned food on the shelves. And I thought to myself, good thing I'm a storyteller. <laughs> and I realized that at, with the rise of technology, if we're not careful, uh, when it's statistical, algorithmic, and it's identifying sort of what, what grouping do you fall into, we're missing the gift of storytelling, whether again, it's one-on-one -on -one or in, in, in a group setting, where there is a true witnessing of the other person and they feel witnessed and it draws forth like a, like a mesmerizing magnetic magic wand. It pulls forth their uniqueness out into the world because you've lit up like E.T. again with the, the lit up finger in the glowing heart have awakened their glow and their uniqueness. Thank you, George. Very, very interesting. I'm going to move on to Tish's prediction number one. This is very interesting. Tish says, storytelling will become faster and more immersive. That's the operative word here with video games and VR, virtual reality. We won't hear a story or see a movie. We will be in it. Tish, please unpack for us. This is exciting. Well, it's interesting because uh, I think storytelling at the heart is going to always be what Rebecca said, what you said, Bonnie, oh, that gave me goosebumps. There's that exchange of, ah, I have that experience because we've shared this. Now, what I see um, happening 
um, both in the, the medium that I work in. So a commercial is uh, there's 60 seconds, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, or now six seconds. Come on, come on, come on. Tell me the story right now, right? Um, uh, I noticed with uh, my teenage boys, um, my guy is 19 now, but when he was when he was 14, I'd say, hey, you want to go see a movie? And he'd say, oh, I don't want to do that. It's only an hour and a half and I'm not in it. And uh, I mean, he didn't, he, you know, like I'm not in the experience. Right. Um, And now what I've noticed uh, with, with, um, you know, how these boys have survived the pandemic, they've stayed connected by being communally in the story on the quest together with their friends through these immersive experiences. Um, And then the virtual reality goes back to the matrix quote, like, we could be living in a, you know, in a dirty bathtub like those people are in reality. But the 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 expansiveness of that is, and then um, there's there's also the 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 speed the speed of storytelling. I think is something that is transforming as well. Um, uh, you know, sometimes with my younger guy, he's like, "It's TikTok time, mom," and I'm like, "Okay," and. Um, I, I like have to watch those things three times. I'm like, wait, there was a little story here and I know something happened, but, and he's like, boom, 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 boom. So I think that's, that's really interesting. Uh, the, I, I just think it's getting, it's getting faster and in some ways separating us from what has been traditional story and some ways taking us into it more deeply so we can experience it in a different way. Tish, I, I second and third of that emotion. I resisted TikTok for a long time. And one day about three months ago, I just <clears throat> put the app on my phone and I just watched. I was mesmerized. I couldn't believe that people could share that much information with me in less than a minute, in less than 30 seconds in many cases. I changed my whole way of eating because of that. I have a whole new way of cooking and eating and shopping and all that. I was so inspired by what they were doing with eggs and cheese and getting rid of the bread and uh, <laughs> uh, pseudo keto. And, and lunches are really delicious now. They've Everything has changed, but I was I was embracing these mini stories that people were telling me and fast. So I will only allow myself to go on TikTok maybe once every couple of weeks because I know it's going to completely command my attention. I can't be doing it in the middle of getting ready for a radio show or doing anything, even watching something on TV. I have to just sit there and I'm looking at the stories. In in five minutes, I might see the stories of. 10 different people, whether they discovered a way of shopping or whether they're just giving me the five minute, exer- the four minute leg lifting exercise in your chair or whether they're saying here are five mantras to have a better day. I will favorite them. I will send the link to myself and a couple people I care about and then I'll go on to the next one. Faster is very, very interesting. Thank you very much, Tish. Let's go to Rebecca's prediction number one. You say a new Earth-centered story will emerge that calls people back to the land in a way that echoes the communal movement of the 1960s. Oh my, those were the days, Rebecca. But with technology as a sophisticated partner, that's beautifully written, Rebecca. Talk to me, what does this mean? Go ahead. Well, we need to start with the recognition that at the heart of every story is not just the plot line, but the characters. And there are certain characters that repeat perennially in every story, in every culture, and we call those the archetypes. One of the archetypal characters that appears in every religion and in every great mythological universe 
is the goddess of springtime, the goddess of renewal, the champion of the earth, the protector of the sacred wells. Mm. In Irish mythology, I've been doing another deep dive on that, it's the great goddess Bride or Bridget who becomes Saint mm. Bridget in later years when the Catholic Church has taken over. She's a Bronze Age goddess. We've had her since 4000 BC. She has been incarnated recently in the form of Greta Thunberg, who is the iconic goddess of renewal and spring, protectress of the sacred waters. And so when you recognize these archetypal characters coming into the forefront, it's electrifying because you know that the story is afoot, right? The game is afoot. Something is happening here because we have such an iconic, powerful character driving the plot forward. But Greta is doing it with the aid of technology. Her story is being broadcast globally in a way that can touch more people, but she's carrying the archetypal energy that goes back thousands of years. And that's why it's so important to know about the archetypes. Isn't that mm -hmm. interesting? And when, when we see a five-year-old who can sit down and play jazz piano, uh, Joey Allen, is that the name of the young man? At, at 10, he was composing jazz. He was playing with major orchestras. Uh, a young man, I think, from the Philippines wears a tie and a jacket. He's really cool. 12 years old, he's sitting on stages with me. Do you mm -hmm. think this comes from an archetypal? Yes. I'm, I'm well, not asking for past life regressions, but Rebecca, just quickly, no, what do you think? Well, Where does this come the, from? The Dalai Lama, the iterations of the Dalai Lama, that's an archetype, and the avatars are embodied and sought from the community every generation because that energy of the religious leadership is so critical that they do believe the energy will arise for every new generation. As in the great story of King Arthur, he is always alive, and his promise is, I live in the woods and I will return when I am needed. So this is a recurring theme in all great mythologies. The hero will always be born in the heart of the wasteland when the time calls him forth or her forth, as the case may be. Interesting. And that's a rule of improv. I, uh, who was it? I think, Tish, you mentioned uh, Second City. I took mm -hmm. some improv, a class from Michael Gelman from Chicago Second City when I was at, yes, he was <laughs> wonderful. And he used to say to us, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So when we had the end of the class party, I had a, a, a shirt, a jeans shirt, printed up over the pocket with the saying embroidered do you know what i mean <laughs> i gave it to him i had everybody chip in a couple people forgot to pay me back but it was fun to do it anyway do you know what i mean but what i was going to say was what i learned from him and, and other people i think judy davis was a teacher i took as well th th that rebecca in in improv when you're doing a group exercise it's not oh it's my turn it's my turn i want to talk it's what does the story need what does the room need? Does it need me? That's when it's your turn. It's not your turn. It's the story's turn to bring you in. And so what you said resonated with me. Thank you. Megan, I want to get to your prediction number one. This echoes something that a couple of us have said, but I want to hear you articulate it because you said it so beautifully. Megan says, people will forget that they used to be frightened that technology would kill storytelling. Megan, putting you on full screen view, talk to us. Very interesting. Uh, my brain, <laughs> so, uh, there's so many lines here. Um, 
let me just do it with an image because that's the way it's easier for me to talk. Do you know those, those uh, tall tubes that are uh, filled with air that people go in for an experience so that they can fly weightless in them? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see it like that. The technology is those tubes and all that information is all that air. And it's so exciting to go in there. And you go in there and you're flying around the speed and the information and it's you're meeting 20,000 people in 16 days, but you have to come out of the tube. So Mm. technology is the tube, right? But you have to come out of the tube. And I think storytelling, storytellers, the archetypes, the unending immortal narratives are what? are the hand that reaches and says, come out of the tube. So there's something absolutely essential uh, to that, to, to, to humanity that does have to do with slow and silence because it's a stomach where stomachs and stomachs must digest and the imagination itself mm. must digest. So I, I, uh, when you get hungry, you finally eat. And I think in technology, there's going to come a point where we realize that's so fun flying around that tube, but wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> and, and you come out of the tube. And I, I think that it's imperative that we, we remember that witnessing voice, that human voice. So I make this prediction um, uh, as as an optimist, and I make it as a as a as a midwife and a doctor mm. to say we let's practice believing that technology can never kill what is essentially human. Mm. Thank you, Megan. George, you raised your hand. Talk, please. In psychotherapy with adults, youth. The way I practice it is depth psychology, archetypal, Jungian psychology. One is often listening for the dreams that come in the night. And to build off Rebecca's uh, emphasis on the value and power of archetypes in a story, and you, Megan, talking about the tube, when I watch, say, a TikTok video where I experience the sequence of these videos, there is a kind of thing, right? And there is... They're quick, they're fast, and they, they seek to awaken a desire. And you see a kind of desiring happening in the person. I often have felt like there's a longing to find and tell and reveal their story. Mm-hmm. And every night, dreams come that are full of the story dreaming you. Mm. So... There was one time years ago, I think around like 2000 something, I dreamt that I suddenly had a long white beard. And then I noticed in a mirror that I had white hair and I started, I realized, my goodness, I'm looking like Merlin. And when I woke up, I thought, well, the dream is placing me in his story, doing magic, uh, the shamanistic aspect of storytelling, where a storyteller says, and a ghost came in the room and a ghost came in. So to help folks 
get out of the tube, or maybe they're awakened while in the tube, but then when they come out of the tube and slow down and start to attune and listen to what's coming up within, they'll hear their archetypal story speaking them. Thank you very much. I have breaking news here. We've got three and a half minutes left till we have to close the show. <laughs> so what, we're not going to get to a second prediction from each of you, and you all said some really wonderful. We'll have to do this next year. I'm booked until... February or March of next year, but you'll all come back. I'm, I'm predicting you'll all come back. <laughs> ah, see, that was an easy one, right, Rebecca? Storytelling part two with more technology. So what I'd like to do is have you all just take one sentence. That's about all we have time for. And that sentence can be 30 seconds long. So stretch it, but not five minutes <laughs> on what will be different in your life about your approach to storytelling, I'm going to be, I'm going to say about after our conversation today, has this impacted you to make you think any differently about storytelling? I've never asked this question to my guests, but let's see, is there anything that's different or anything that resonated with you, especially 30 seconds each, George, your first go. I, I actually just affirms that on technology, here we are on zoom, we're experiencing each other. And as I take in each countenance i celebrate the joy of storytelling that i first met rebecca with i celebrate the way tish is able to awaken through her voice all sorts of imagination like a genie in the bottle i love how megan speaks through images and slows down and creates a space in our hearts to hear and i celebrate you bonnie with your extraordinary life story you're i always say you're a force of nature there's so much imagination blowing through you so this conversation affirms the power of storytelling is he good or what <laughs> now you each get 20 seconds we're almost out of time <laughs> tish, well he said he said he said everything tish go ahead quickly what, what's your what's your take um, what do you get i think the heart of this is something that megan said stories bring us together and that's why we'll always need them Rebecca, your take, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. The the (laughs) most helpful thing I can bring as a storyteller is to let people know that in a time of the unraveling of the cultural script, we have to be willing to step into improv mode and create our story as we go. Thank you. Megan, you get the final word. 15 seconds. I know you don't like that short time, but go. Pretend you're on TikTok. TikTok, go. (laughs) This was a delicious meal. Oh, wow. 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 Okay. I have some gratitude here. I want you all to say, I'm going to count to three. We're going to say, thank you, Aaron. I'll tell you who that is. One, two, three. Thank Thank you, you, Aaron. Aaron. It's Aaron (laughs) Keller, my engineer. He calls himself my sidekick. He's earned it. Aaron and I started working together three years ago. He was 26. He just celebrated his 63rd birthday. I put him through his paces. So, and he's just telling me, Rebecca, yes, you've, you've heard Aaron before. Anyway, I want to thank all of you. And I want you all, we're going to close with, I want you to raise your finger. We're going to wag a finger, everybody. Just follow along with me. Wag your finger. I got to get my notes. If somebody tells you the future is already here, I want you on the count of three to say no, no, no. One, two, three. No, 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 no. no. And the reason is that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. And that's what we're here to talk about. And we're all going to do our best to make it a better one. Everybody wave by LinkedIn, by Facebook, whatever you're calling yourself in the future. (laughs) Bye Voice America. Don't go away, panelists. I want to take some pictures. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. 
Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 